go. Exams are an essential tool that helps students to self-assess their academic abilities and areas where they need improvement. Talking about exams. By reviewing their performance on exams, students can gain insights into their strengths and or weaknesses which can help them set realistic academic goals and develop strategies to achieve them. This is some of the purpose of exams. Turn with me now in those Bibles that you have, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27 to 29. Uh, we're going to read those three verses, 27, 28, and 29. And thank you, Sister Alexa, for reading uh, this morning for us. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 and 29. I will read from the New King James Version. You'll see verse 27 and 28 on the screen. However, verse 29 is not there. I do not like to always give every text because they're going to put it on the screen. That's going to prevent you from turning in your Bible. And I like for y'all to turn to your Bible. Here we go. New King James Version says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Let me slowly go back over that one more again. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup, we're talking about communion, of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And lastly, verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. There we see that unworthy again. In an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I speak to you from the title for these next 10 or so minutes entitled exam time. And you see it on the screen, exam time. Now exams are many things. And I don't know if you preferred exams in school or if you preferred writing a paper. Raise your hand for me if you preferred an exam over a paper. Who, who preferred an exam? You preferred an exam. Raise your hand if you preferred a paper over an exam. All right, now I preferred a paper over an exam. The reason I preferred a paper over an exam because I know that I was gonna put in there a lot of thes, a lot of its, a lot of thems, and I'm gonna make my page length off of page fillers, right? I'm gonna say some important things in there, but I can finesse it just a little bit better when it's a paper. The test just seemed to need a more direct answer, and I don't want to give the direct answer if I don't know the answer that you need. With a paper, I can finesse that thing. But exams, my friends, are many things. Exams can be annoying if you hate the process, very annoying. If you hate study, if you don't want to put together a study guide, they can be very annoying. Exams can be something that is needed to assess where you are as a student. Are you comprehending the information? Are you able to regurgitate the information? Do you even, have you even been paying attention for the entire semester as we've gotten to midterms to know what has been taught up until this point? 
Exams can be needed. Exams can also be helpful if you need to boost your grade. Because you remember for those who were in school when they had syllabuses, I don't know if they had syllabuses back 60 years ago when some of y'all, like Dr. C, you were in school back in probably, what, the 1940s, 1950s? Somewhere around like that time frame, right? Over there in Memphis, right? And you might not have had syllabuses, right? They just might not have had those things. But the syllabus, right, that, that, that I've seen in school, the syllabus is going to have the breakdown of percentages of what everything is worth. What holds the most weight? What holds the least weight, right? Some of the college students that all congregate in that corner right there, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You get the syllabus and you look on there and it says test is worth 40% of your grade. Quizzes are worth 20% of your grade and so on and so forth. And so some of these quizzes or tests are very helpful because you look at it and say, oh man, if I just do good on at least this test, I can fail the rest of this stuff and still pass the class. Y'all know how we try to do. We try to find that little loophole. Mike, I see you smiling because you, you experienced this too, I guess, right? It's helpful, but it can also be very stressful if you're not prepared. What if your whole schooling is now dependent upon what you do on this final exam? If you get an F, you lose your scholarship. If you get an F, you're kicked out of school. If you get an F, so it can be very stressful if you've come to this test and you're not prepared in the slightest, in the slightest bit. Or exams can be exciting if you're ready. If you know all the information, if you're feeling good about this thing, you're ready to get in there all excited and gleeful because you're ready to take this exam, exams in short, can come with many differing emotions. While exams can be annoying and for some very much needed, exams or an examination process to assess yourself is very much admonished and encouraged in the word of God. What do I mean by that? Here's a couple of personal examination texts. You have Lamentations chapter three, verses 40, where it says, let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. Look within yourself, examine and probe your ways. Galatians chapter six, verses four. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. These are just a couple of texts and there's a whole lot more. These are just a couple of texts admonishing us to examine ourselves. Oh, if you know anything about examining yourself and being honest with yourself, it's a hard process. Because when you're really examining yourself and you're looking in that mirror and you're starting to pick apart every single thing within yourself, your motives. Why did I really help this person? Did I help this person so I could get a thank you? Or was my helping this person simply out of selfish, selflessness to just help this human being? When you examine yourself, you're going to start really seeing who you are and how you are and what you actually do things for. Then arriving, my friends, at the book of Corinthians, we find that there are examination texts as well, such as our text of scripture for today in verse 28, where it's stated, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
The book of Corinthians is an interesting letter by Paul which contains content that transcends time. Inside of the book of Corinthians, you're going to find things like divisions within the church. Do y'all know anything about divisions within the church where this side of church doesn't like this side of the church? And it started a complete schism within the congregation. Or maybe you know something about divisions just among this set of people and that set of people, right? There's divisions. In the book of Corinthians, we find that there's divisions within the church. We also find in Corinthians that there's the cure within it for the issue of divisions within the church. So if we at Ypsilanti Seventh-day Adventist Church, you know we got to make it personal. If we at the Ypsilanti Seventh-day Adventist Church are dealing with schisms and divisions in the church, but the answer is within the book of Corinthians that either A tells me we ain't reading the Bible or B, we don't want to apply the Bible or three, you just are completely unaware that the solution is right there. That's what I have to believe because the solution to the issues of divisions to cure divisional problems within the church of God is right there within the book of Corinthians. Now, you might want to think of fanciful ways to bring everybody together, create unity. But what's that old expression? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Last I checked, the 66 books of the Bible ain't broke. So why are you trying to fix it by inventing a new idea when Corinthians says what we need to do, Ypsilanti Seventh-day Adventist Church, to cure any division that is happening within our congregation? Also, in the book of 1 Corinthians, we find that what happens when we do not resolve disputes. What happens when one doesn't like the other person and one starts arguing with the other person, but both people are coming to church and neither one of them have gotten any resolve? The answer is right there in 1 Corinthians. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians also talks about what happens when we do not practice sexual purity. Oh, boy, if somebody was to open up some of our doors at home. We would see some things that we should not be seeing. But the book of Corinthians gives us warning about these. Also, the book of Corinthians gives us counsels concerning marriage. The book of Corinthians also gives us spiritual gifts in the church. And the book of Corinthians shows the state of Christians at the Lord's Supper, what we've gathered here for today. Now, this small yet profound letter by Paul to the Corinthian church was pertinent and relevant in Paul's time as well as our own time. And don't worry, you're going to see exactly how it's pertinent and relevant to right now. While we are very well accustomed to the Lord's Supper, it's something that we've done for years on end. Many of you have experienced the Lord's Supper for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. There's a reason that Paul says to them, examine yourself. Now, I've got to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, but I still got to ask the question. When the Bible says in 1 Corinthians examine yourself how many of us don't ask the, don't answer the question don't raise your hand don't put yourself on the spot don't embarrass yourself how many of us have actually stopped and paused and said what does that mean contextually when Paul says to examine ourselves don't raise your hand 
I just put mine up. Don't raise your hand, though. See, here's the problem, though. Here's what we do. We read the text. We, one, either A, we apply what we think it means to the text when it says examine ourselves. Or B, we just speed on past by it and said, I got my devotional reading in for the day, close the Bible and go throughout your day. But you have no real understanding of what the text is actually saying. But don't worry. I'm going to explain the text for you today. Don't worry. But what I want you to do is not be reliant on Pastor Chancey to give you all of these answers because you can study the word of God just like I do. Amen. Thank you for saying that. Thank you, congregation. Amen. So Paul, he's saying to them, examine yourselves. And we often think that it's, it, that it's our previous sins that Paul is referencing to. Which, yes, it's imperative to do that. You got to be sure to make confession for your sin. Yes, of course. But Paul is telling them that it is, it is exam time for a very specific reason. Yeah, of course. You want to confess your faults one to another. You want to confess your sins to Christ. Lord, forgive me if we confess our sins. He's but Paul is even being more specific when he's saying to the Corinthian church, you need to examine yourself. Again, let me back up real quick. The letters that Paul writes, he's writing them to specific issues, right? He's not just abstractly putting things together and sending them to a church and saying, here you go, take this, apply this some type of way. No, 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 no. Paul gets word back, such and such is happening in such and such church. So then by the unction of the Holy Spirit, he writes the letter and he sends it to a particular church. In this case, the Corinthian church. And not just one letter, he's got to send these jokers two letters. Two letters. Y'all ain't get it right on the first letter, we're going to send you a second letter. So he's got to write them a letter and he's got to write it to deal with specific issues, generalized, not generalized issues, but specific issues that Paul was hearing about in the Corinthian church. Understand that in this context of our text, this text, Paul is responding to a report of the divisions among the Corinthians in their observance of the Lord's Supper that dealt with socioeconomic issues. You see, in the Greco-Roman world, and if you don't know what the Greco-Roman world is, feel free to ask me after the service, what is the Greco-Roman world? I will then ask you, have you Googled the Greco-Roman world to see if you've taken the time to even look up what it means, the Greco-Roman world, or are you just relying on me to give you all the answers? I have no interest in just giving you all the answers to things. What I have interest doing is picking your brain so that we can all go deeper together, but don't just come and expect me to give you all of the answers to this. You want a deeper understanding of the word? Let's go deeper. You see, in the Greco-Roman world, there was something called an honor-shame society. What do you call it? That's right, honor-shame society. There was an honor-shame society based on one's status in life, which was not just seen in society. That would be okay maybe if it was just seen in society, but it was also experienced within the families and also experienced in the house churches where these families worshipped as well. Now, let me say this. 
if you've gotten, I say house churches for a reason because a lot of their coming together wasn't like this. It was in a small house, right? So you had house churches. Again, step out of the 21st century mindset, step into biblical, in the biblical mind. They had house churches. They came together to worship in their houses. And what you were starting to find out was that in the houses, there was a class system going on. Right now, we're supposed to be here for worship. We're supposed to be here worshiping the God of heaven and earth. Not only that, we're supposed to be coming together for a communion service to commemorate the great sacrifice. But within all of that, there was still classism going on. Oh, you poor, you sit over there. Oh, you got bread, you rich, you got money, you sit over there. There was a socioeconomic issue that was transpiring not just in society, but also within the church causing division. Oh, there was issues. The poor were being treated with contempt and discriminated against. The Corinthian church had turned the Lord's Supper into a gathering at which the wealthy ate and they drank too much. They had all the food that they wanted, all the drink that they wanted, leaving the poor Christians, the poorer Christians, hungry and humiliated. Oh, boy, oh, boy. The rich were eating, they were drinking, the poor Christians hungry, humiliated, which is the complete, my friends, complete opposite of the purpose of the Lord's Supper, which was to bring about unity, selflessness, and remembrance of the greatest sacrifice ever given to humanity. To this, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, examine yourself. It is exam time, and exam here means to test and find yourself approved. Are you approved to take this? Are you, are you approved to take this? Are you going to take this simply so no, nobody looks at you and says he must or she must not be taking it because they got some unconfessed sin? Why are you doing this? Are you doing this just out of your own personal tradition? Are you doing this out of habit? Examine yourself. Should you take this? You see, Paul has to deal with a very specific issue. Now, I need you to go back in your Bibles. Open your Bibles back up for me, please. Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. Go back to 1 Corinthians. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and, and go back to verses 27. And I want to show you something right there. We're going to have a teaching moment for a second. Everybody tell me amen when you're at verse 27. Some people ain't say amen. I got to help y'all out. Which Bible? At? All right, we got to open that Bible. There we go. We got to open that Bible. All right, because I'm about to show y'all something real quick. All right, Sister Lynette, I see you ready over there. You got your Bible. All right, everybody got your, Makai, you got your Bible? I see you. Where's your Bible? You knew I was coming to you. Makai, 1 Corinthians, get your Bible ready. All right, everybody up, 1 Corinthians 11. What's good with it? Everybody, y'all ready? Y'all good? All right, let's go here. Let me get back up here. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses, verses 27. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching real quick, and we're going to wrap this thing up in one second and head on over to where we got to head over. Verse 27 says this. Watch this. Therefore, right, because it's finishing up the thought that was right before. Therefore, whoever eats this bread right up here or drinks this cup right up here, right, of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, don't close that. Don't close it. Don't close it just yet. Verse 29. Watch what verse 29 says. Skip 28 and watch what verse 29 says. 
Verse 29 says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. You notice how in there in three verses, 27, 28, and 29, you have unworthy in verse 27. You have unworthy in verse 29. Does everybody see that? Amen. I'm glad you see that. That means you're there in your Bible. Now, 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 you notice that. And you also notice verse 29, right? But in the middle of these unworthy statements, there in verse 28, you have the veggie meat of the sandwich, which is for them to examine themselves. It's kind of like a sandwich right there, right? You've got the top layer of bread, which is unworthy. You've got the bottom layer of bread, which is unworthy. And the veggie meat of the sandwich, the middle part of the sandwich, it says to examine yourself. Do y'all see that? Everybody sure y'all see that? All right, here we go. Now, I'm still going to do a little bit of teaching. Please just stick with me for one moment. One moment. What does Paul mean by unworthy manner in this, in this context? Somebody tell me. Dr. Skeet, you can't say nothing at all. Somebody tell me. Y'all talk to me. We, listen, somebody tell me. What, 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 what does it mean? In this context, what does it mean? And if you don't know, don't worry about it. I'm going to tell you in one second. What does it mean? Where is Elder Wright? Elder Wright. Where the right go? Yeah, she tried to call me out in Sabbath school this morning. I had to get trying to get her back. All right. So, so, so we've read these texts. Remember, because when we have communion today, right, Elder Debbie's going to read a text. Elder Mike is going to read a text. And it's, it's, the, it's the text right before here that talk about the bread and the wine. They're going to read the text. But... As a little sandwich and with the veggie meat and the cheese right in between, there is that examine yourself in there. Please, my friends, I need you to do this when you read the Bible. When you read the Bible, I need you to take a second and do this. Let me see y'all do that real quick. Don't scratch your wigs out or anything like that. Don't scratch too hard. Scratch your wig out or nothing like that. I need you to do that when you read your Bible. The reason I need you to do, your, read, do that when you read your Bible is so that you can start to ask yourself questions. Why is there unworthy, unworthy, and examine yourself? Why is it unworthy in the middle of the text as well, but only examine is and, and it's sandwiched right in between two unworthies? I need you to do this from time to time. We got to go deeper into examining. Thank you for, for, for giving an answer right there. I appreciate you for giving an answer. Now, now, let, let, let's look at this real quick, right? In verse 27 and verse 29, Paul is using an adverb. What is he using? See, y'all didn't think that English class meant nothing. Y'all didn't really think English class meant nothing. Don't worry, I'm about to take y'all even further where I'm going with this adverb and all this kind of stuff. Y'all didn't think that English class meant nothing, did y'all? Don't worry, English class did mean something. But, watch this here. In verse 27 and verse 29, Paul is using an adverb instead of an adjective. Don't worry, some of y'all have been out of school for umpteenth years, you don't remember what an adverb and an adjective is. So don't worry, I'm gonna tell you what an adverb and an adjective is. Is that all right? Amen. The English, follow me, please follow me. The English translates Paul's word, right? He translates Paul's word as an anaxius, that's his word, to an adjective instead of keeping it as an adverb as it is in the Greek. Let me stop right there. Don't worry, I'm going to break all this down for you in one second. When you look at the Greek, 
you see things, or when you look at the Greek, the Hebrew, portions of Aramaic in the Old Testament, when you look at the Greek, you see things a little bit differently than you see them in the English, right? You may not know that when you're reading it in the English. So in the English, you're reading it as you see it, right or wrong, true or false, right, true. I don't need y'all to answer that, right, true. I know it's right and it's true. The adverb in the Greek is translated. Remember, when Paul writes that word anoxios, he's writing it as an adverb, not as an adjective. When it's translated into English, English translates, translates it as an adjective versus as an adverb. Why does that matter? Don't worry. I'm going to tell you in a second. All of y'all are looking at me like, What's the answer? I want to know the answer. Good. That means I put y'all on the precipice right there and we're going to get there. Don't worry about it. We're getting there. The adverb in the Greek, right, what Paul wrote it as, the adverb in the Greek is translated in English as unworthily, not as unworthy, as unworthily instead of as an adjective which you see in the Bible as unworthy. An adverb and an adjective function differently. What do I mean by that? Don't worry, I'm going to tell you. An adjective, it modifies a noun like to describe someone. For instance, I use myself. Aaron, that's my first name for those that don't know. Aaron is a great human being. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> Great is the adjective. It's modifying the noun. Remember, a noun, a person, place, thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some of y'all been out of school forever, so don't worry. I'm trying to break this down as best I can, right? So I'm the noun, Aaron. The adjective to describe or modify is great. Aaron is a great human being. While an adverb, showing you the contrast between adjective and adverb, an adverb modifies a verb, Right? An adverb, an adverb modifies a verb by telling things like why, when, where, and how. So, for instance, an example of that would be Aaron runs quickly. Aaron runs quickly, right? That's an adverb right there, quickly. It's describing how I'm running. Whereas an adjective is describing something about me. Aaron is great. Is everybody with me so far? Y'all sure? I think that's the front of the class that's with me. Normally the black class, back, back of the class a little slower. Let, let's see. Back of the class. Y'all getting it? Y'all get All right. That's why I sit in school too. I always sit in the back of the class, right? So I could do other things instead of paying attention, right? All right. But I'm going to make y'all pay attention. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So an adverb and an adjective function a little bit differently. When Paul writes this, he's writing the word as an adverb, right? You see, using the adjective, unworthy would refer to a person's character in this verse, but using the adverb as it is in the Greek, unworthily, is referring to the actions of the person, right? Because they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. Therefore, Paul's warning was not to those who were living unworthy lives longing for forgiveness of sin, but to those who were making a mockery of that which should have been sacred and very solemn by their behavior at the Lord's Supper. And if their behavior towards their fellow Christian is appropriate, then they would qualify to participate in the Lord's Supper. 
What do I mean by that? I need you to understand that how you treat each other in this church matters. And if you don't treat your brother and your sister with the love of Christ, Paul is saying you are unworthy to take this. It's not examine yourself for your sin. It's examine yourself within. How are you treating the people next to you sitting in this congregation? Difference between an adverb and adjective. And he's trying to get, he's trying to get these Corinthians who are so caught up in divisions and problems and being babes in Christ. You see that in the very beginning of Corinthians. He's trying to get these individuals to see that you're treating each other wrong. Oh, saints of God. Oh, saints of God. Divisions and disagreements pervaded the Corinthian church. The poor were being treated at the Lord's Supper with utter disregard. And how you treat each other in this church, the Ypsilanti Seventh-day Adventist Church, it matters. There's some of us in here probably don't even like each other. Some of us won't even speak to each other. Some of us, when we do speak, we speak harshly to each other. We've always got a mean thing to say to the other person. The Bible is saying, examine yourselves, because if you're treating each other less than, don't take this today. Don't. Don't take this today. Don't do this simply because others are watching. The Bible gives a stark injunction don't take it if you are living unworthy and it's not focusing on in this context your sins it's focusing on how you treat one another that's the context of it do not be found unworthily my friends in your actions to others because in verse 29 notice what it states you reap judgment upon yourself Don't, don't take this as just something to play with. Examine yourself. Who do you not like in this church? Who can you not stand in this church? Who do you wish bad for in this church? Who do you treat less than in this church? Examine yourself. Because as we prepare to take part in this ordinance of humility in the Lord's Supper, let's prayerfully, my friends, examine within ourselves. Let's prayerfully examine within ourselves now and forevermore and make sure that we treat each other as Jesus would have us to treat each other with love, with respect, with patience, and with selflessness. Because that, my friends, is what this is about. Selflessness. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we prepare to embark on this amazing, amazing ceremony that you have given us. Lord, I pray that we truly examine ourselves. Some of us, Lord, we, we may not say it, but in our actions, we treat others, even in this church, wrong and bad. Lord, we don't wanna be found unworthily reaping judgment upon ourselves. 
So I pray, dear God, that if we need to go to somebody today and say, I'm sorry, help us to do that. And if we need to say, I forgive you, even though you haven't said I'm sorry, help us to do that. But help us, Heavenly Father, to be found worthy in your sight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. At this moment, we will uh, make a transition. The women will go to the small chapel. The men folk will go downstairs to the basement. And after the foot washing service, we will commence uh, with the rest of the service, the communion portion of the service right here in the sanctuary. This moment, you may stand and begin taking those movements. When you come back, we're gonna sit every other row so that the servers can serve each and every individual. But use this time as you're walking to your location, not to be caught up in frivolous conversation, but to be examining yourself. Amen. <laughs>